Hello and welcome to On Topic with IU. My name is Kenny Smith with the Media School at Indiana University Bloomington. Today, I'm speaking with Fred Kate. He is a professor of law at IU and also the vice president for research for Indiana University. Thanks for taking the time to visit with us today, sir. Thank you very much, Kenny. It's a pleasure to be here. IU has campuses and scholars and research going on across the state of Indiana. We're seeing some really nice contributions from the IU community. Donations of thousands of surgical masks, more than 120 medical students have just graduated doing so early so they can go to work in hospitals. Many 3D printers across the university have been pressed into service as well. These are all encouraging efforts that will benefit the region beyond just a campus community. But let's talk a bit about what's going on in terms of IU's research elements. First of all, with campuses all but closed, some projects have been put on hold, of course. But COVID-19-based research is ongoing. Is that right? Yeah, Kenny, that is. But let me just uh, also say, actually, a lot of our research is still ongoing. The governor of Indiana, when he issued his executive order, he specifically exempted um, travel and access to campus for what he described as essential research. And we have worked with his office to define that very broadly. So in fact, in many research areas, we're still continuing at, at, at about the same pace as we were before COVID-19. There is work focusing specifically on detecting and treating and ultimately with the hope of possibly eradicating the COVID-19 virus. That's what many of us think about when we think of lab research, white coats, beakers, and so on. But there are quite a few other equally important types of research taking place right now as well. Tell us about a few of those that you find really intriguing as efforts that are currently underway. So there's so many examples, I hardly know where to start. But one, um, one set of areas we've been looking at is what the experience of being at home has meant for Americans. We've got projects looking at what older Americans are doing and how they're dealing with this situation. We have research projects looking at people who deal with food security issues or energy security. Um, we already know that people who are financially stressed are facing even greater stress now. So um, again, fortunately, we've seen uh, utility companies respond by saying, we're not going to cut you off during this COVID-19 emergency, and we're looking at these policies and the way they're carried out in homes, and how are people getting access to food who may not have enough uh, access to food. We're looking at the way in which online education is working, so how it's working at the college level, but also how it's working at the K-12 through level. So again, um, you know, I use a big proponent of online education. We've been doing a lot of it for a long time, but we've never seen it as widely done as it is right now. And of course, we've never seen it done at the K through 12 level like it is right now. So we're taking advantage of this to really try to understand how people are learning. Are they getting as much? Maybe they're getting more as they uh, uh, engage in their studies online as opposed to being in a class with uh, a class with other students. So we're looking at a really wide range Another thing we're doing, which is pretty sensible, again, given the amount of work we do in policy and public management and government, is we're looking at the way in which the management of the COVID-19 crisis is playing out. So for example, state uh, executive orders, are people paying attention to those orders? Are they understanding those orders? Are they acting on those orders? Again, in an effort not merely to critique what's going on, but to look how to do better in the future. One very interesting project going on at IUPUI right now, there's machine learning taking place. Scholars are looking at what's being said on Twitter by nurses and other healthcare professionals, and they're studying those conversations. What's the goal there? Part of it is to understand how information's being shared online, and more importantly, how it's being understood by the rest of us. Those of us who aren't medical professionals, those of us who rely on others for our information, 
What role is social media playing? How about false information? One of the things we've known for years is that false information tends to spread more quickly and in many cases is believed more intently than, than true information, than factual information. And so again, we're looking at that here to see how much of what people understand that is accurate is that accuracy is being reinforced by social media as opposed to things that we believe that may be urban myth or we believe incorrectly. How much of that are we getting from social media? There is some examination of the use of next generation technologies in the front lines of emergency and crisis response situations. That's going on at the Luddy School of Informatics. And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so again, it's interesting. The Luddy School, uh, uh, SICE, as we called it before the generous gift from Fred Luddy, which looks at you know a wide range of computer science and informatics and information engineering issues, actually has a center devoted to looking at public health and um, technology and how the two interact. And so how can we use technology to help us respond to a public health emergency? How can we use it all the way, if you think about the continuum, from informing people about it, from the tools that we actually use, like teaching? I mean, think about right now, even this conversation, they're all being propped up by a network that we never really thought of the internet as a, as a pandemic-related network. And yet right now, our, what, what part of our economy is still working depends almost entirely on this network and keeping it working. We're looking at tools and how they can be used for things like distributing scarce resources. How do we identify where the greatest need is for masks or for other types of protective equipment? We're looking at tools that can help us cope with um, 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 coronavirus. So for example, one of the things we know is for people to be back at the university or back in businesses, they're gonna need to still distance for quite some time. Um, we're looking at tools that can help people do that, whether that's all the way from just like reservation software. Can I reserve a room? Can I reserve a machine? Can I reserve some essential infrastructure so I'm not bumping into other people when I go to use it? But also more sophisticated technology. So we're seeing some businesses are saying, yeah, we're going to take your temperature if you come back. But we can do that with remote sensors. We can do that in ways unlike, you know, the traditional you sit down, you put a thermometer under your tongue and you wait. Can we can we do that in a faster way so that it works at scale to meet the needs of the American economy? A key component to all of this is just having access to information. It's something we can't seem to have enough of right now. And at a base level, there's some interesting work going on again at IUPUI where they've created a county-by-county database looking at Indiana of COVID-19 cases throughout the state. You mentioned earlier about how various elements of the university are working with state government. Is this one of those examples? You know, think about it. If you like want to know what the weather is, you don't really care about the weather in your state. You want to know what the weather is in your backyard. You want to know what the weather is at the park you're going to. And similarly, when the state is trying to manage this pandemic, it doesn't just need broad statewide data or regional data. It wants to know what's happening city by city, even neighborhood by neighborhood, the most granular data you can get, because then that helps determine, for example, is the hospital overrun? Well, we know in general, hospitals have done pretty well in Indiana. We're not using all of our um, all of our intensive care beds. We're not using all of our ventilators, and that's great news. But what you want to know is hospital by hospital, how are we using that equipment? So one of the things we've been trying to do is help provide that granular data at the most local level possible. The project you're referring to is doing it county by county. So again, when you determine, like, is it safe? Do I want to go out for a walk, for example? Is this a good time to go to the grocery? You would have data about how close to a peak is your county at 
How would it be better right now to hunker down in place? Or is it now time that you could actually go out, for example, for a, a walk to enjoy this beautiful weather? Not all of the research efforts that are presently underway across the IU system are about people working in healthcare. You mentioned the study of teachers and online learning and distance education. Plenty of ramifications there. But let's talk a little bit about other implications of COVID-19. There's a study looking at imposed social isolation in terms of its impact on older adults and their well-being. Yeah, I think this is actually particularly interesting. And I would say we have a number of studies along this line where we're looking at populations that are fairly distinctive. So this goes all the way from looking at like teenagers and young adults and how are they handling dating and um, um, relationship building and sexual intimacy in a, in a button down situation like we're in now, all the way through the spectrum to looking at older adults who already deal with a fair amount of isolation in their lives. It's often a critical issue and suddenly there's enforced isolation, yet they may have greater health needs, they may be uh, more vulnerable on uh, for food security or for other types of, of uh, support that they need. And so we're looking particularly at how uh, this is affecting older adults and the steps that are being taken to help protect older, older adults to see what's working best. So again, we can learn from this experience. And if COVID-19 peaks again, as it's likely to do later in the year, or if we face another isolating experience, another pandemic or a natural disaster, we will have benefited from this very painful experience we've been through. I was reading about a program that is taking what is traditional research in terms of substance abuse intervention that because of our circumstance, the research and interaction is being shifted online. That seems like it's obviously very important and practical in terms of general use. But again, because of our circumstance, seems like a very timely shift in the program. It is very timely. And in fact, um, you know, the university has a, a multi-million dollar grand challenge focused on substance use disorders, focused on addictions. And one of the things that many of the researchers associated with that grand challenge have been turning their focus to look at the specific effect of stay-at-home orders and of COVID-19 on people who already have substance use disorders. And you know, it's, a, it's even a baseline question. We don't really have a clear sense. Is being isolated um, more stressful for these people? Does it lead to, to more difficulty in dealing with this disease? Is it more challenging? On the other hand, um, some people have suggested that being away from uh, communities that might be, uh, be uh, supplying drugs or might be otherwise facilitating uh, substance use disorders might be actually beneficial. And so we're, we're really doing our best to get a, a baseline understanding of this and again, to get a sense of what's helping and what's not. As we said, very large university, lots of different areas to look at. Are there other current research programs, COVID-19 related, that should be touched on today? Well, I, I just mentioned, I mean, for example, we're testing vaccines. Uh, we're involved working with commercial partners on that. We're doing testing for COVID-19, both for do people have it and also for um, do they have antibodies to it? Have they had it in the past? And in fact, we're partnering with the state of Indiana in a statistically um, significant sample of 6,000 people around the state in an effort to get better information for our state government and public health officials over how um, great the intensity of COVID-19 has been and is likely to be um, Indiana. We're doing testing in New York City right now. We're doing testing in Indiana. We're involved in other partnerships involved in developing responses to COVID-19. We're even working in areas of sort of longstanding strength for the university that might seem to have nothing to do with COVID-19, 
but you could see how they then overlap. So for example, cybersecurity, we find at times like this when everybody's online, there are a lot more cyber risks, a lot more um, uh, malicious code, malicious activities, there's fraud where people are trying to get you to give money to, to charities that claim to do work in COVID-19, but they're really just fraudsters who are taking the money home with them. Um, and also the consequences of something going wrong. I mean, right now we're all living via our computers. And if your computer is suddenly taken over with ransomware or it's otherwise compromised, the, the consequence is a lot bigger than it might have been a month ago. And so we're working again to help individuals protect themselves and we're working to help institutions uh, pr protect themselves at the same time. So really, as you look across the university, as you look even at the humanities and the arts, we've had these amazing online programs in Bloomington and elsewhere, just trying to help people engaged and stimulated and to take advantage of the fact that many, you know, you can only watch so much Netflix at home before your mind wants to wander to something a little more engaging. And so we've had, again, composers and writers and historians and people throughout the university's broad range of specialties who are engaging with people online. Our cinema has been showing movies online. Again, well-chosen movies, movies that might be uh, not merely uh, entertaining, but also engaging and, and uh, intellectually stimulating. And so we're, we're really trying to bring the whole wide range of the university's scholarly and creative activities, so the, the, what we think of broadly as our research infrastructure, to bear not just on a, in a forward-looking way about like how do we solve COVID-19, how do we predict the next pandemic, but also in a current immediate, you know, we have millions of people right now in Indiana and elsewhere who need various types of help, some of it very physical, tangible help, some of it much more spiritual or emotional help, and we're trying to respond in the, in, in the best way of a public university. It's a significant outreach effort and a lot of work going on over multiple disciplines. What kind of impact are our research colleagues having on the state and the region with their efforts these days? I mean, you can measure that impact in lots of different ways. We've been working very closely with the state all the way from very practical things, for example, supplying public health students to help answer people's questions when they call our, our, our extremely dedicated and overworked state office of public health. Um, do you mention the medical students who have been graduated early and deployed in the field? We have researchers who are helping the state model how COVID-19 is working and how it's likely to evolve in the future. We're doing testing all around the state and of course testing outside of the state. And we're working aggressively with the state in an effort to get people back to work, to get businesses back open. Again, but in only in a safe way, in a responsible way, in a way that, that we can all be proud of and not be scared of, that we can benefit in together. So I, I often talk to people about the impact that a public research university has like IU. In this case, that research is so clear, that impact is so clear, it is so well demonstrated and it's frankly nearly ubiquitous. You would be hard to find a part of life in the state that the research at IU hasn't been touching. Vice President for Research at Indiana University, Fred Kate, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Kenny. And we thank you for joining us as well. For more information, follow us on social media. On Topic with IU is on Facebook and Twitter. You can subscribe and download this podcast from services like SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Just search On Topic with IU on your favorite podcast provider. And on social media, be sure to search the hashtag InThisTogether to stay up to date on the broader statewide campaign. For On Topic with IU, I'm Kenny Smith. 